Welcome into another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast, connecting with you, Italian football fans from all over the world. So we have a 75% happy panel here tonight. We've got a Romanista who just watched his team defeat Torino 3-1 on Thursday. That's when we're recording this. We've got a couple of Interisti who I I would imagine, uh, myself included, were a little bit relieved to get three points against Napoli on Wednesday with the way that game played out. But Three points or three points. Uh, I'm Alex Dono, alongside, as always, before we introduce our special guests, let me introduce my co-host, Jerry Mancini. And, Jerry, I know it's it's frustrating. You know, Lazio lost this past weekend to Verona. Um, you know, a tough 1-1 result against Benevento, despite Ciro Immobile scoring one of the goals of the week. That was a sick, sick volley that he put in there. But you going to be all right, Jerry? I mean, uh, you know, you, you guys are trying to claw your way back in a Champions League position, but it's not going so well right now. You know what? Um, I'm very disappointed, and this all could have been avoided had Inzaghi just did one thing and one thing only, squad rotation. And I know that Claudio Letito can be known for being very cheap, and not wanting to spend money, but when you brought in seven or eight players, and I'll give the, ex- the exclusion of Mohamed Fadis and Fadat Mariki because they haven't been healthy. Fadis was being used before, but now he's got an injury. He's out for 30 days. Um, Mariki had COVID, and I think a lot of people forget that when players get COVID, they're not the same player when they come back. Um, it, it takes an effect on their body, and the, the physique, everything around that can really affect the player long term and in and with such a condensed schedule it's not the same thing but regardless there are players on the bench that Latu has I'm sorry Nzagi has reluctant like has avoided to use Akpa uh, Akpro has shown good signs to be to, to come in in the midfield uh we have uh, Andrea Pereira uh, Wesley Hoot's been like maybe the only player he's been confident in using and I hate when people say that well, they're Serie B players, and there's a reason why Nzagi doesn't use them because they're not Serie A caliber players. I get it, but at the beginning, when when the players were brought, Nzagi was happy, and he said, "We, Claudio Latito and Tade delivered the people, the players I wanted. They 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 did everything they had to do for me, and now I need to deliver the results on the field." So you say all that, and you're not bringing players on the field when they're there. Why are you bringing in Francesco Cherby last Saturday? who's played every single minute and it was reported that he was going to take a needed break. And you got Nicolo Armini from the Primavera who doesn't start. And I know before the start of the game, he didn't want to use Wesley who on the right side. And I, at first I thought it was a good idea. Okay. You, you bring in Parolo. Hoots not a, is a right, is a right, uh, sorry, a left footed player. And he plays on, he doesn't want him on the right. So he didn't want three left-footed players playing. All of a sudden, he comes into the game to replace um, a Cherby who was injured. I, I don't get that. I, I thought it was a bad idea not having, like, not to have a left-footed player on the right side. But now looking forward, I think that was a bad decision. And I know it's always easier in hindsight, but you, you rather have a guy like Hoot on the right side than a guy like Parolo. You take out 
uh, a Cherby. You start him. You can start Armini there in center back, get some experience. You leave Radu on the left, but to 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 bring in a Cherby and say that you don't have players to to fill these gaps and like look on Tuesday, Luis Alberto played with only thirty minutes of training, and we have Andre Pereira sitting on the bench. Why? And then people say, well, we don't have players. We don't have the depth. We didn't buy players. They're on the bench. You don't have to use Pereira every single game. You don't have to use all these guys every game, but you use them sparingly so these players can get a break. I'm only waiting until Correa, Savage, and Immobile freaking go broken. Like They break down. And apparently today in training, in the, they had like a practice match, and Sergei Malinkovic Savage didn't practice for it today. Yeah. So he did the whole drills and everything, but then he left before the actual scrimmage. So... I think Inzaghi has done a great job in four years. I don't want to bash the guy down. I've always backed him up. And I think this is a guy who can turn things around, if anything. Um, He's shown the desire to to, to always change the script like he did in recent seasons. If, If this guy can learn to do squad rotation. I think he can be one of the best managers in the league. And but you better until fast cuz you're, you know, yeah. you have, you have like, two more, I mean not more than two, I don't think, but two more games in Champions League coming up, so he's got to learn. It, it's just it's nerve-wracking cuz I'm so tired of hearing people say we need to buy players. We we need this and we need that. If if we're not using what we have, what the fuck is the point of buying players? And it goes for any team. I'm sorry, man. Like, even Inter. You got Christian Eriksen sitting on the bench. And fucking, let's let's not play him for X amount of games. I don't like the guy either. But let's just say, I don't like him. I I, I, I don't I don't like him. I fucking hate his attitude. I hate his attitude. Fuck, Mario, I'm gonna, you're going to piss me off tonight, man. You know, this is going to be a different side of me tonight. Oh, hold on, hold on. Before, before we get Jerry going, going off, man. hold on. Jerry, before we get Jerry going off in the Erickson rant, uh, and I have a feeling this episode is going to be like a therapy session for Jerry. And I, I think there, <laughs> there are a lot of Calcio fans that need therapy. Like the midweek rounds this week were really weird. You had Juventus dropping points, Milan dropping points, you know, Jerry's Lazio dropping points. Uh, a lot of Napoli fans listen to us. They dropped points this week. Uh, but, you know, we do have a couple of panelists on teams who didn't drop points. Let's introduce uh, our good friend Steve Chavillo from Chiesa di Totti. And, and Steve's team, the most recent victor. Uh, obviously, Torino is just having an awful, awful time this year. I think they're going to end up getting relegated. But taking care of business, Steve's side gets the 3-1 to one victory over Torino. Steve Chavillo, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining us. Midweek fixtures for sure, but I, I mean, you and I and Mario can be happy about it because of the top ten. I think our two teams are the only two that take maximum points. So uh, I don't envy Jerry right now. Um, but you know, just going back to one of Jerry's points real quick, wasn't the squad rotation was a big issue with Lazio last year, and uh, it seems like it's it's rearing its ugly head again because once uh, the schedule got compressed in the summers, when Lazio ran into issues with squad rotation, and uh, I, I agree with Jerry, that's something Inzaghi's gonna have to learn to live with because if they don't, it's gonna be. Uh, not as successful of, of a campaign for them as they had last year. Now, one player that's not getting a whole lot of rotation right now is the man that appears in Mario Galliano's background. Uh, you know, and for those just listening to the audio-only version, Mario, who's joining us from Inter Worldwide, uh, he's making at least his third or fourth appearance on this podcast. He's a friend of the show. He's got uh, Christian Erickson making like an angry, excited face. It's- 
This is his first appearance. No, there's no way it's Mario's first appearance. He's been on with this us first. before. No, Mario, you've been on with us before. Uh, I think this is the first with cultural connection. Uh, we really? Did a yeah, man. Anthony, one time. Yeah, we did one with Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. Man, yeah. you blew you you blew it there, man. Fucking like you're like Inter, man. You just like you guys choke. You're just choking like Inter in the 90th minute. What are you talking about? That's Torino. <laughs> oh, holy yeah, right. shit! Cheap shots. <laughs> and, and, and later on, I, I, after you're done, I got a question before we keep. Before I forget, but keep going. Once you're done with my boy Mario, well, I, I, I've I, already I've already botched the introduction. Uh, I, <laughs> I swear to you, we have to go back and check the records. I feel like he's joined before, but it, it, and and I know we we've done uh, we've done um, inner worldwide before, so maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But Mario, if it is your first time, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Good. Thank you for having me finally for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so. Apparently I'm, so. I'm on a rant tonight, but I was watching this Roma game today, and I have a question for Steven, okay? And I, I'm not a, a, a Serie expert. Like, I'm, a, I'm not the guy who knows everything. But there's one thing I noticed today in the last 20 minutes. Calafiori. This guy's fucking shit. Where did he come from? <laughs> he is outright garbage. <laughs> I, 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 and I think that. As a Roma fan, I'm going to be non, I'm not going to be biased here. I'm going to be open minded. I think that Roma is a better team than Lazio fans think they are. I thought they were going to be a very bad team this year. Um, I think that the, what really Roma is doing that Lazio is not doing at the moment is playing as a unit. Every player is playing their position, they're stepping up, the bench players are coming on, they're, they're picking up the slack. They don't really have that profile player. I think they still need a striker. Um, I think Borja Mariallo, Mara, 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 I always say his fucking Mayoral. I think he can be something that can really step up and, and, and be that replacement for Jekko. It's time will only tell. But they're, they're, they're playing as a team. Um, I think that they're, they, they got guys that people thought they weren't going to do well. And, and Spinozola has flourished Marvelously in Roma. Dude, ever, ever since that failed transfer to mm -hmm. Inter, the guy's been unstoppable. The the failed Politano swap. He's been an animal ever since. But I, I just want he was going to go on the on the downfall after that because didn't he like tear his ACL like twice? Yeah, with Juventus. Yeah, ACL players. Once they're dead to me. Once they tear the ACL. But like, I just want your opinion on Calafiori because this guy, like, I was like, ooh. So, so in defense of Calafiori, he's 18 years old, and it, uh, okay. it's only like his third match with the team. He actually made his debut in the last match of last season against Juve when they played a, a lot of reserves, and he, he looked like he has talent. He's the reason why they were able to make that Luca Pellegrini for Spinazzola swap because they knew they had him coming down the pipe also. Um, he scored a, a wonder goal a couple match days ago in the Europa League. Uh, great hit. He's talented left back. I think, uh, yeah, today he wasn't great. It was 20-minute, you know, uh, reserve appearance. But, uh, no, I, going back to what you said about the way they're playing, yeah, I mean, the team aspect is certainly clicking. Um, Spinazzola's been probably with Teo Hernandez best left back in the league all season so far. And going back into the summer, he started to show signs. The switch to the back threes helped him also because he's more of a natural wing back than a, a uh, left back like they were playing most of last season. But uh, I also think losing Kohler off to Inter was a good thing for him because he doesn't have that shadow looking, you know, looking over his shoulder or trying to win playing time from Kohler. He's the man now. He knows he's the man. And Roma just gives him like carte blanche to just attack down that left side. Um, one issue with that is they've been a little left heavy on their attack, which we've talked about on, on, on uh, Chiesa di Totti quite a few times this year. 
But uh, yeah, he's been outstanding. Uh, Myral's starting to show signs, like you mentioned. But I think Fonseca, one of the keys for Roma is that they've had the team together now for almost two seasons. They haven't had many changes. They brought in Myral to back up Jekka, which is an upgrade over Kalinic. Um, they brought in Kambula as another strong center back. So they have four strong center backs in that back three. Um, but other than that, the, the continuity has been great. Some of the young players are really stepping up. Pellegrini's uh, in the best form of his career so at this point. Um, so it, it's been real good. So do you think they're falling the shadows of Lazio and, and trying to replicate what they're doing in Rome there? Because it, sound, it sounds like they're taking a chapter out of the Lotito Tade book and saying, hey, maybe we should go in the direction of Lazio, not always buy five, six players, not always buy those expensive players. And maybe like a Pedro, who's really, I know Pedro's not your 25-year-old, but he's still in that age where he can still he still has something left in the tank and he's proving it with Roma I think that's been like a low-key signing but a a beneficial signing yeah I think they've they've been smart you know the Friedkin group took over in the summer we don't know what their long-term plan is but they they talked about sustainability and you know I think buying smart and you know in in hindsight looking at some of the moves they've made the past few seasons they might not have been you know uh headline grabbing when they first made them but Mkhitaryan's been outstanding he's you know, arguably the, one of the top five players in the league this year with the way he's playing. Uh, Pedro, I was a little skeptical with his age. I think he's 32, 33 at this point. But uh, if they don't overuse him, I think he's still a productive player. And he's been a great leader for the team. And they have a, a young Spanish contingent with um, VR and Mayoral and um, Carlos Perez. And, and he can kind of mentor those three. They've played a lot together in the Europa League where he's been kind of the veteran on the field with them. So I think his signing goes beyond just what he can do on the pitch, but also in the locker room, you know. I think the mix of quality veterans who can still play, like Jacko Mkhitaryan, Pedro, and Smalling, combined with the youngsters, has really been a, a great mix for them so far. I got a question for all three of you guys now. Everyone talks about Ronaldo so important to his club. Romelu Lukaku, so important to his club. Can we say that maybe Mkhitaryan could be in the running for MVP and just maybe he's probably the most important player of the of the league so far because this guy's on a tear. He he's scoring goals. He, um, I feel that when he's not on his game, his team is not on his game, and and when he's not really playing well, it, it kind of like against Napoli, he was invisible, and so the team just didn't look right. And he's like the, the drive to this team as like Ronaldo and Lukaku are. So, like, would you would you consider him a candidate, or is it too early to really consider that? I, I honestly think he could be a top three candidate right now if you were to ask me, because this guy is like, he. I know Jekyll's always been the go-to guy for Roma, but maybe that that may not be the case this season. It may be that Mkhitaryan is now being that guy and and coming over on loan now complete the deal it's all been done he no longer is thinking about arsenal and now it's it's just roma in the back of his head now and it, like he feels comfortable he playing in in city and he can play it at, at that level and, and, and really beat people too because he's not a slow player i think he's fast not fast enough for for epl anymore but he's fast enough to beat players in city and i i just think that this is one guy who's really stepped up roma this year yeah i mean i don't know what arsenal Arsenal, but considering they're in like 15th in the EPL right now, to let a guy like Mkhitaryan go for free. Roma signed him on a free after the, the loan deal was up. He rescinded his contract. Uh, 31 years old, but the production is, is outstanding. Seven goals and five assists in 12 league matches so far. I think he's certainly in the conversation for first 
third of the season MVP. We're about a third of the way through. He's he's firing on all the cylinders. Like you mentioned, the Napoli match was his worst match. It was Roma's worst match. Uh, Jekko and Pedro also poor that match. It was kind of a combination of the three. But I also think something that's helped him score more goals this year is last year when Roma was playing the 4-2-3-1 with Fonseca. Uh, that was the system he brought with him from Shakhtar. Mkhitaryan would be the guy kind of shoved out wide left a lot of the time when he was healthy to accommodate Pellegrini in the middle. And now Pellegrini has slotted deeper or played alongside Mkhitaryan in the 3-4-2-1. And I think that's done wonders for him, too, because he could use his creativity a lot more, his goal-scoring ability a lot more. I think that's been a huge move by Fonseca, who was called rigid by a lot of people, sticking to his 4-2-3-1. He's changed, and Roma hasn't looked back since. Dude, it's funny with Mkhitaryan because um, he was getting, you know, during his late years in, in Premier League with Manchester United and with Arsenal, like, he he was taking so much shit and banter from Premier League fans. And we've seen a number of players, and, and they always seem to wind up at Roma or Inter, who were just, you know, just eating so much shit in the Premier League. You know, Smalling and Mkhitaryan come to mind you know, Alexis Sanchez and and even Lukaku. I mean, I think Lukaku was held to a super high standard at Manchester United, but, uh, and Ashley Young is another guy who's not been as good so far this season as he was after January last season, but he was, you know, laughed at by Premier League fans. And you have to kind of wonder, like, you know, just, I guess the change of scenery uh, really, really did them well. But yeah, I think, uh, Jerry, that's actually a really good shout by you because when you first mentioned Mkhitaryan and City MVP, like I, I shrugged for a second, but I thought you made a good argument. Um, and I give Roma credit because they've been really balanced and their midfield has been incredible. But he's he's certainly been their best piece so far. Uh, well, what do you think about all that MVP conversation, Mario? I think a lot of it has to do with because um, these players, they come from like Mkhitaryan. He came from Dortmund to to the Premier League and now in Italy where he's thriving once again. I feel like it's the tactical sense of it because – how many times have you seen it where the player comes from Premier League? Ashley Young, uh, I think Erickson has said it, Lukaku, they all say the same thing. Uh, it's more tactical, you learn more, the training's more intense than all these other teams that they've played with. So for that, it can only benefit these players. They're coming from the Premier League where, yeah, it's fast-paced, you have the best players, whatever, but personally, they don't take their, their career to the next level, it seems, because the coaches or whatever is holding them back because there there's such a type a mentality like in the coaches and all that where like we have to be fast physical long balls or you know you have to be that type of player fit that type of system for whatever and then you see all these players come to italy then it's like oh my god these guys are so good what happened this and that i'm like the coaches know how to get the best of the players and they learn how to play a completely new type of game where you're actually playing and learning at the same time. So it, it's it's just crazy how, like, Lukaku, like Alex said, he was up here at Manchester United, and he might have performed, you know, like a little bit further down. But I don't think the coaches used him right. I, I don't think they <clears throat> believed in him. Uh, the fans hated him, so on top of that, it's like, what are you going to do? You can't win. So until you find the new scenery, which he came to Inter – and now he's one of the best strikers in the world. They're they're putting him up in the he's putting himself in the top five, which you have to because it's like who's better than him? Lewandowski and maybe I don't know, I can't even think of another person that's that's better than him. 
Well, I, th- I think Zlatan would say Zlatan, but uh... <laughs> Zlatan, I, I still I he's still, in there. He's in that yeah, conversation. He's in contention, but he's hurt. So <laughs> temporarily, Lukaku goes ahead. <laughs> J- Jerry, did you have uh, any other thought on this? And then I want to move on to the uh, to the Inter Napoli match. No, one thing I'll say, and Stephen, you, I I like what you brought up about the whole tactic thing about uh, Fonseca. I never knew that about his formation and how he switched to a three back. Like I, I've heard it on podcasts and like how he's went to a three back, but I really, if you were to, t- if I didn't hear it from a podcast, I would never have known that he went from a four back to a three back. These are things I'm still trying to like try to identify when I watch games because I don't really notice when things unless it's my team I can understand because I know how my team plays but I'm watching other teams sometimes it's so hard to break down and everything's happening so fast but that, that's a good shout man and, and and you know what that may have I think that may have been the the saving grace for Fonseca's job and when you really look back at, at the end of this when you at the end of the season when you look back and you say, well, what really changed Roma's season? I think that may just have been the the, the saving grace, and 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 I like that by Fonseca, and I think a lot of managers should start keeping that in mind that he's playing to his players' advantages, their strengths. He was very stubborn at the beginning, always playing his his system, and then the results weren't coming, and and I would say, and I think this started probably last year going into the end and and how everything just melted down against Sevilla Sevilla and, and and they just got manhandled and I, and I, in my opinion I think that at that point and I could be wrong that point he said okay we need a change here or else it's not going to work and he probably saw that certain players weren't fitting his mold uh, they were frustrated you can tell as they were being subbed off and so now he's got two formations that he alters and benefits players left, right, and center. And now they're very much hard to predict because you don't know what kind of system he'll go out with, how he's going to employ. A lot of managers are so one-formation-based and one, one-minded. one And I've been saying this for the last couple of days, and a lot of people are saying, well, once you're stuck by a formation, it's hard to change the formation because you got players that are based on a formation. These guys are not rookies, man. If you told... Immobile to go play one man up front. I'm sure he would change up his style. He he, you you alter in order for players. You you practice. You you see the tactics of what's being done. You know what I mean? Like, um, Conte is another example. That's why I laugh when I hear Inzaghi going to Inter. It's a replica guy. He'll he'll get you the results the first couple of years, but he'll go as just like Conte. He'll stick but he'll do it at one third two. the price, though, at least, which would be nice. Um, that's a good point, actually. But, <laughs> but, but we've talked about. I, I know normally Alex is the guy who who shoots the questions, but tonight I have all these questions in my mind. I'm, I'm saving Alex the time. I don't even script this stuff, man. It just comes to my mind. I'm gonna I'm gonna shift from Roma to to Inter Pazza shithead Inter Milan. <laughs> Three <laughs> yeah, points, uh, baby. What's your team done lately? Yeah, shit bricks. That's what they've done. <laughs> I'm going vulgar tonight because I like my buddy Steve here, and he's probably one of the best Roma fans out there, and I have a lot of respect for him, and Mario is a, a very good dude here. Icardi. I'm not even going to call you an Inter fan. You're an Icardi fan. What are you and, talking about? <laughs> you are which so is, false right now. This is an Ericsson fan. But I want to know your thoughts about Ericsson and, and how everything's been playing out this year. Like, 
what 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 are your feelings? Like, how do you feel about how Antonio Conte has been treating Erickson this year? Subbing him off. Uh, what, what, what was it on Sunday against uh, Cagliari? Take him off fifty-five minutes, and, and the guy looked like he blew a casket. And, and, and Jerry, you, you may you may not have noticed this um, because I know you you, you don't watch uh, Inter with the same keen eye that Mario and I do. So not only did he take Erickson out around fifty-five minutes, but the whole time when Erickson was on the pitch, Conte was shouting at him as if it was like a little leaguer, like he was sh- get back, get back, get back. I heard about this. Like, I, I heard that he wanted him to play deep, and that yeah. and, and he was playing up high. Bro, did you not see when he played up high though? How many times he turned over the ball and like he, he like he just I don't know if it's just that he, he's that shit, that poor confidence or something or just. I don't I mean, know. It's it, it's done. Like it, it's over. Like the experiment is over. I think at this point, and and Erickson, um, I I don't see him as being like he's not a Conte or a Gattuso type of player who's going to have the grinta and rise to the challenge. Like I think Erickson is already checked out mentally. Like he's not. I mean, if Antonio Conte was coaching himself, because he obviously knows what type of player he was, he may have been the type of player that would. If the manager is constantly, you know, for lack of a better word, bullying him, because it's kind of what Conte is doing. Like if Conte was getting bullied by a manager, Conte would say, I'm going to get revenge on this guy by playing so well, he'll never bench me again. Right. I don't see Erickson being that type of player. I think Erickson is the type of player who's more like, you know what? This guy hates me. I'm moving on because you know the same. He, he did the same thing with Tottenham. Like he he moved on mentally and checked out. So he's doing the same thing now, where he's checked out mentally probably months ago and is already setting his sights on whatever club his agent can get him sold to now. So I, I think it, it's over. Finito. There's no way Erickson is ever going to work out at Inter. It's done. I don't know. I I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think. If you give this man time and you let him play his game, like like we said, what the hell happened with with um, Wesley Snyder his last two last year and a half at Inter? Gasperini came. He's like, I want you to play as a defensive midfielder. Who the fuck puts Wesley <laughs> Snyder as a defensive midfielder after the man just won you a Champions League? Like, it's the same freaking mentality. I don't know. It's this stupid Italian manager mentality where they take these attacking midfielders, attacking-minded players where they're so gifted technically and they're just so smart on the ball. And they're like, nope, I want you to do something completely opposite of what you've been doing, everything that's been working. I want you to turn into my defensive midfielder, my regista all of a sudden. I want you to be my Pirlo. And I'm just like... No, you need to take a timeout. You need to put this man in the correct position, not playing as a center box-to-box midfielder or a deep-lying uh, playmaker. You need to put the man as an attacking mid behind the striker. You need to let him operate in that space behind the striker and make shit happen. Like, I, I was watching the highlights because I didn't wake up at 6 o'clock to watch a freaking Cagliari Inter game. But I saw, I saw what he was doing. So I'm like, all right, he makes his mistakes, whatever. It's It's impossible sometimes to have a – to have a, a coach hounding you for 55 minutes, do this, do this. He's he's holding the control over here. And you're just like, shut the fuck up. You move to the opposite side of the field. So he he, he just like, you can't hear him. You, you tone him out. And it, it's, you, you can't do that to every player. Like Conte might work for Conte. It might, it definitely doesn't work for Erickson. Put the man in the right position. Let him do his thing. Let him get the, 
the chemistry with Lukaku and Lautaro on the field because at practice it's a completely different element. The intensity is not there. The mindset is completely different. Uh, you don't have the 10 fans in the stands yelling at you and whistling every time a, a call goes wrong. Um, it, I want this man to succeed so bad because uh, there's three players that didn't work out. Quaresma, um, Wesley Snyder at the end of his career, and now Snyder. So Erickson. I don't want him to fall in that hole. He's too good of a player. He's a world-class player on his day, and his day can be all freaking season. We saw it at Tottenham. He moves. He doesn't. He's not lazy. He's not stupid. He covers more ground than half the half the Tottenham combined sometimes. Because freaking the guy is just all over the place. His intensity. He's not going to go and win you freaking tackles like Gagliardini and then give the ball right back and win it back and give right back and just like in the freaking possession like Conte wants him to. You run a thousand miles with his eyes closed. It. You need to let the player play like. It's sad to see, but the attacking midfield position is dying with Christian Eriksen and James Rodriguez. You know, I, I think Eriksen might look pretty good in a Roma shirt, eh, Steve? If, if, if something were to go down, that I, I think that's a formation he would fit. And I think before he went to Tottenham, he was actually linked with Roma when he was young, and then he ended up going to Tottenham. But, you know, he's the type of player that if he's in the right system with, like, a Fonseca who's, you know, playing him next to a Mkhitaryan or a system like that, that he would thrive because – he is a quality, he's a gifted player. Um, I think, you know, the thing, as, as I listen to you guys talk, you guys watch Inter every week, obviously I watch him on occasion. It's just like the Conte way of doing things. It seems like Galliardini went from a dead man on Inter's bench to now he's playing every match, you know. Darmian all of a sudden is getting starts, you know. Um, it's just, I, I think you made a great point where he likes those guys who are like him, who will run through walls. Um, you know, I sung his high praises when he was the Italy coach because he did a lot with a team that wasn't very good. But you look at the players in that team, same same mentality. Like, you know, the best player in the team was probably De Rossi at the time in the midfield. But you had Giaccherini, you had Eder, you had Gratiano Pele. These guys weren't quality players. He just finds guys who will run through walls for him for the most part. Um, and I think he's trying to do the same thing now. But he, by doing that, he's alienating players like Eriksson. You see Hakimi getting pushed to the bench by Darmian some matches. So it, it's certainly interesting to see. And so I, I want to get into uh, a little bit into the. Not Hold on, I, I want to just say one thing there, and, and it's a good point. I'm gonna back up Mario, and we're gonna go back to the '90s. Sinisa Mahalovic. Yeah. And Mahalovic played for Roma, and Carlo Manzone put him as a defender as a center back, and it was the worst two years of his life. They put him in a position he never ever played, and. Up to that point, he was one of the best players. I think he was playing as a, as a, a I want to say as a left wing, if I'm not mistaken, or as a midfielder. Um, can't remember what he was, but before his time, he said his time in Roma was the worst, like absolutely the worst. And then, as time went by, though, as the years progressed. I think he when he went to, to Lazio, that's when he went as a center back and transitioned there. But my point is that you, you're right. Like he, It went two bad years in Roma, all because he played in a position that wasn't suited, suited to him at the time. Um, he always says that, that that experience helped him to, to become a center back and, and transition and become more of a versatile player. But... It doesn't all work out for everyone like that. And, and with Erickson, he, he has a similar 
instance with with like Mahalovic where he's having a bad experience and this could have been avoided had a player just played in his proper position like you said like it's like hockey would you make a, a, a forward play all of a sudden defense and a defender play forward does it make sense it, it just ruins the whole chemistry and the balance of, of a team if you've been playing a position all your life that's what you're accustomed to and, and and I'll go back to Fonseca, how he's been able to to help like a guy like McTierney, you're saying, and, and changing the formation up and 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 understanding, being open minded, and, and I don't know if it's just an Italian thing where these Italian managers are so stubborn, like at home, where they're just stuck to one way. Like Mike, my, my father, tell my father to not cut the grass to, twice. My dad cuts the grass twice every time. Until this day, I don't know why he does it, okay? And if you tell him, do it once, he'll smack me across the face and be like, <laughs> he'll literally smack me across yeah. the face and be like, hey, shut up. You got to cut, cut between the lines the second time because you missed it the first time. And it's like, that's that how you make sense. <laughs> I think he's on to something there. No, but, but honestly, like, uh, not, not to interrupt you, but you're, you're hitting on a point I don't want to forget because – like you're totally right, and and you've all made some really good points, but I just go back to, um, they really should have never bought Erickson in the first place because Conte is not a tactically flexible manager, right? So um, it, it's hard to imagine that Conte was ever really in on this idea. I always thought it was more of a Beppe Morota idea because hey, this is this is a a you know world class caliber player. He could be a real protagonist. You know, and and it's an investment. I think I think um, I think Marotta looked at it that way. Uh, that hey, like no matter what, we're getting a bargain for a player for twenty million who may, you know, be eighty million once he hits. Uh, once he were to hit the market, if his contract weren't expiring. So I think they looked at it as an investment. But the problem is, like you guys can talk till you're blue in the face about how you know managers need to be flexible. The way that Fonseca has been flexible. You know, I look at a guy like uh, like Ivan Juric is a very flexible manager. He can throw multiple different formations at you. And Conte sort of tried, but it was really half-assed when he's like tried to go to a 3-4-1-2 instead of a 3-5-2. But, you know, um, not getting the sort of results from the 3-4-1-2, he has backed away from it very quickly and gone back primarily to the tried in two, three, five, two. And it's obvious that doesn't work for Ericsson. So, you know, I, I take everything uh, that Mario is saying to heart about how good Ericsson can be and how Conte, you know, should find a way to maximize him. But I'm just saying it's never going to happen. Like, we, we know who Antonio Conte is. Like, Antonio Conte has been the same guy, you know, since he started managing Juventus, probably even before that, but I didn't really follow his career prior to that. I mean, his his tactics have evolved over time. He used to be the 3-4-3 merchant, merchant. Now he's the 3-5-2 merchant, but uh, he's not going to radicalize his tactics. So, uh, unfortunately, as long as Conte is the manager, and it's going to be at least another uh, six months. I think he'll at least finish out the contract, to be honest with you. I think at this point it's looking like he's going to do the full three years. It's just, it's not going to work with Erickson. It's not. It, I wish it would work. I wanted it to work, but I, I don't think it's going to work. It's still going to work. <laughs> I love the positivity. Play the man 90 minutes for four games in a row, you'll get, uh, what's four times three? 12 points. <laughs> I hope so. And I want to get to uh, the three points that Inter did take uh, at the Giuseppe Meazza at home against Napoli. Um, 
you know, I, I do feel a little bit fortunate, especially with uh, with how well Napoli played and created in the second half. The first half was was relatively even. In fact, Inter really should have done better. Uh, Lautaro Martinez had a, a beautiful chance to score, you know, after after a giveaway by Koulibaly, and he should have hit the target. He missed the target, so Inter really should have taken a one nil lead earlier in the match. And in the second half, uh, Napoli were absolutely flying, and that included. Uh, when Darmian earned a rightful penalty, Sensi did really well in the buildup to find Lukaku. And then Darmian uh, did a great job getting a touch before he was clearly fouled by Ospina, the goalkeeper. And, you know, Napoli, if, if there's a big regret that Napoli fans should have is, you know, um, not even just giving up the penalty because those things happen, but the way that their captain Lorenzo Insigne lost his cool. Um, I know Gattuso was upset about him getting sent off for protesting. Because for Gattuso, hey, only in Italy do they send players off for telling the referees to fuck off. I, that's not really true. I mean, it happened uh, in Champions League, you know, uh, about a month ago to Arturo Vidal. Like, uh, the Italian referees are not the only ones who are going to send you off for that. Uh, I thought Insigne really should have done better than losing his cool there, especially since maybe he didn't have a good angle on it, but that was a clear-as-day penalty. And so if you're going to waste your time protesting and getting sent off, at least have a reasonable protest. Uh, but then the crazy thing was, you know, uh, Lukaku scores the penalty and Inter have the one nil lead and they're up a man. And at that point, watching the game, I'm thinking, OK, this is really good. Now you can take control of the match up a man. I can have a stress free second half. Pazza Inter will not allow that. So Napoli down a man. We're creating so many chances. Uh, they, they should have scored, you know, two or three goals. And uh and, uh, and and our guy uh, Petania hits the post. But I got to say, and Mario, I know you want to chime in here. Um, I give credit to Samir Handanovic because we finally saw him move in this. I mean, he made three spectacular saves in this game. He was phenomenal. He was man of the match. He was the best player in Italy this weekend. Um, he that's what he's still capable of. It. It's it's just so hard because he's what thirty six years old. He's not getting any younger. The reflexes are obviously going slowly, but he's every time you see him get beat where he's just standing and staring, in my opinion, like 90% of those are freaking worldies where you can dive, you can be in the perfect position, you could be Courtois six foot eight with your eyes closed and still not save it. Like some of those, they're just like so hard. Like there was one two weeks ago, I think, where um I think it was we gave the ball away in the top of the box, and the guy was just looking straight at Handanovic at the top of the 18, rocketed the ball. Was it against Lazio? Something like that? Well, if that was the case, that was a while ago then. No, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know. It was like literally one-on-one from the top of the 18. Where it's it might like, have been the Torino match. Maybe. It was one of those. It was recently, in the past couple of weeks. He was top of the 18. Like, we just laid him a ball at practice. He launched into the corner. And yeah, it was Torino for sure. I remember that goal. And everyone's like, oh, he doesn't move. This, and I'm like, yo, have you ever played keeper before? You're not saving that. I don't care nine out of ten times. Like, it, it's those things are just you, – you can't control it because he's got the whole goal to shoot at. I, I can go into that whole for four hours. But anyway. Well, well something – something. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Napoli played nine men. I, I want to be – very, very specific. They played in nine men because they had Petania on the field, and Petania freaking sucks. 
No, man. He doesn't move. Oh, God. He but he did almost so... score. He, almost, he hit a post. He almost scored. Batonga's not bad, man. It's just, you got to yeah. use him to his strengths. It's exactly like, oh. I'm going to go all okay, night. I'm gonna... It's a strength. No, no. <sighs> yes. It's like Steven said. Certain players are being used to their advantage, to their strengths. Patanya okay. is a hold-up player. He's not a fast player, and every time he held the ball up, I thought he did a good job in that area. Like, he's not a quick player, so people are thinking that he's like a Dries Mertens that can get by people, and he needs to pass in that space. He needs to hold it up. He plays like a Caicedo for Lazio. He's a similar player like Felipe Caicedo. The only difference is Caicedo will actually convert, but that's beyond the case, but... Case <laughs> <laughs> of point, proving Mario's point. Listen. Yeah, but put... Well, did did I, you watch him expel his first season when he was when he was uh, this this spectacular forward, right? His first year where he scored like eleven goals. Did you watch all those goals? Because I did, and at, like nine of those goals were off a deflection where, the, where they were going out of bounds. The defender deflected. The goalie went the wrong way, and the other were like four penalties. <laughs> so do you think that twenty five that twenty five million price tag that they bought him for was? They bought him for twenty five million. Yeah, they bought him for twenty five million, yeah. man. Oh, I'm so glad I didn't know that before. Holy! They shit. paid him in lasagna. Yeah. I was laughing to the bank because I, okay, he's so good at holding up the ball, right? Okay. What do you do when you hold up the ball? You hold it up and you lay it off, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Have you seen his layoffs in the past two weeks? To uh, I believe it was Insignia. No, I, I don't watch. I, I haven't really he would take the ball down, a, a ball rolling on the floor perfectly in front of him. He lays it off, but he doesn't lay it off. He beams it at, at, at uh, Insignia's waist. And Insignia has to vo basically volley a shot that should be laid perfectly on the floor with zero pressure. And he puts it wide, and, and you're all like, oh, Insignia's wasted this magical chance that Petania set him up for. I'm like, yo, the ball was at his freaking waistline. That's not a good layoff. If he's a hold-up forward, that ball comes down, it's laid on the floor, and Insignia places it perfectly. But no, every freaking time this guy holds the ball up and lays it off, it's like, uh, it's like he beams it at their forehead, like here, fucking control it, like a, uh, like, <laughs> like it's impossible. No, that's a good point you say that. Um, not not just Patania. I noticed this in the in the game yesterday. I, I want your guys' opinion. Uh, even the announcers called it out. What the. F F is the point of, of like, when a pass, once you give a player a pass, not rifle a shot pass to players. Yeah. Like, it, it, that blows my mind where there's a player within a distance and they shoot the ball at them. And credit to these players, how they their touch is amazing. I, I, I don't know anybody off the top of my head. Personally, I should have wrote it down yesterday. But I've seen in that Napoli Inter game at least seven or eight passes are, that were beamers. And I say Inter a lot. Well, a lot of beamer passes, and credit to the players, just able to control the ball and not, like, lose control. Because, like, especially when you're not being pressured, just make the easy pass. Like, I don't understand, like, why they get so nervous. But, you know what? I, I it's, it's early days for Patania with Napoli. Um, I, I, I know you don't like him. I always like to give any, everybody the benefit of the doubt in their first year. And, and then after the first year, I, I, I kind of give a, a, a fair assessment. Um, maybe well, let's hear. Hold on. We, we heard our take. What about you, Steve? What are your thoughts on, on Mr. Patania? 
I mean, I don't I don't know if he's necessarily worth the twenty five million they paid for him. I think he fit well at a club like Spal just because yes. you know he he was that was the kind of forward a team like that needs to hold up play and you know get back some possession because they're usually getting overrun. Um, I think he's a serviceable second striker. Um, but yeah, he's not, he's not going to light the world on fire in any way, shape or form. I, he needs the ball at his feet in the box to get a shot, you know, those kind of things. All right. So, so basically it's Jerry, you fucking know nothing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm the, I'm the well, idiot on this one. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to, uh, to, to bring up a point in, in the Internopoly match, uh, something that I saw, uh, David Amoyal tweet that it, it was it was an interesting perspective, but I, I disagree with it. Um, now, in an overall sense, again, I'll reiterate that uh, Inter didn't play particularly well in this match. I will never apologize for three points. I mean, they've had a number of performances this year where they have outperformed the opposition and dropped points. So when they get outperformed and get three points, you know, I, I will certainly take it. But I, I saw uh, David uh, tweeted something about how you know it's it's you know a, it was a bad sign for Inter in that game that all the talent that they have and that the guy who was decisive was Matteo Darmian that he he took that as a bad sign. Honestly, guys, I see it the opposite way. Okay, because over and over and over again this year, Inter had been bailed out on so many occasions by Romelu Lukaku and Nicolo Barella. It's rinse and repeat. Anytime you need salvaging, you know, you're 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 in a draw late in the match and you need a game winner or you're down 1-0 in a match and then Barella's going to score you score a huge goal to bail you out. Um uh, it's always those same two players where Lautaro Martinez has been very inconsistent this year. He's not really done enough for Inter in my opinion. You know, Samir Handanovic has had some clunkers this year. He did step up and was the man of the match in this Napoli game. But no, I'm not going to complain about a guy like Matteo Darmian drawing a penalty and and being decisive and earning what Lukaku would put in as the game-winning penalty kick goal because when you're seeing the same two players bail you out time and time and time again, I'm happy to see someone different contribute, okay? And I'm, I'm happy for Matteo Darmian because um, that was, along with Kolarov, the two signings that I was least excited for, like, oh, we're, we're actually bringing in Darmian. And, uh, and he's, uh, you know, he, he's been pretty consistent the times that he's gotten on the pitch and, and he's, uh, he scored a, a big goal and he gets the big penalty. So no, I'm not, I'm not u- upset at all that a guy like Matteo Darmian is the one who stepped up and was decisive because Mario, it, it can't, it can't be Lukaku and Barella in every single match. I mean, they're, they, they don't wear capes. I mean, at some point you can't count on the same two guys to bail you out. Yeah, because uh, we, that's basically why when, if if people don't know uh, that are watching, I was so against Icardi when he was at Inter because he, in the goal game plan was, it's okay, Icardi's going to score and we'll win the game one nothing after yep. we cross the ball a million times to him. And doesn't matter, but whatever. But um, unlike Alex, I was excited for the Darmian uh, signing because... Um, he brings the Palermo DNA, which I always, always, always will bring up in any situation. The more Palermo players you have, except for Torino, the better your chances are of winning. So um, I don't know if that's scientific, but I'll let you have that one. World Cup 2006 is the perfect example. Going to that another day. <laughs> Half the lineup was from Palermo. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, so watching, like, the Napoli game, 
100% what Alex said was basically on the nail on the head. We've over we've played so much better than opponents, but come out with nothing or a tie. Today, like last week against uh, or this week against Napoli, we got outplayed. And not uh, and the moment we went up, we played like we were winning one nothing with nine men on the field, like the complete opposite of what was going on. Like uh, we scored the goal, and then like right away, Conte changed the whole thing up, and it was a disaster class. Um, like what should have been an easy, not an easy win because Napoli are still a very very good talented team. I watch them a lot. I talk to my Napoli friends a lot. They're like the second, the second most watched team I have in Serie A right now, um, and they're a good team. So even without Insigne on the field, Lozano was was popping off. He, I was I was saying throughout the whole game, Lozano's going to counter. He's going to kill us. They're going to score. They're gonna, we're going to lose one nothing. Thankfully. That wasn't the case because the first half they were countering. Lozano looked like he was going to score. He he had like two or three chances to which Andanovic just shut him down. And then obviously Petania at the end, he showed up for his one minute of the game and kind of botched it. In the same exact fashion, Lautaro Martinez also missed. It was literally like... In the first 20 minutes, yes. Yes. Yep. Off the was, Koulibaly uh, giveaway there. He just yep. gave it to nobody. Yep. I was watching that actually. I was, I was yelling at the TV. I was so mad. I mean, I uh, and honestly, I I so wish that they had sold him to Barcelona when they got the chance. And I, you know, listen, I, I was uh I was very fifty and, and Jerry, we did so many shows about this back like February, March. Uh we talked about Lataro so much when the Barca rumors were really heating up. And I was very 50-50 on it because I, I was always like, oh, I think this is a really, you know, great player with great potential. But I also wouldn't mind, you know, 111 million. They could do a lot with that. But now it's like, oh, now what, what is he worth now? 50, 60 million at the most? Wow. I, I, I wish they had cashed in when they could have. Especially with COVID. Like, I, I was very pro sell him because yeah. I was like, uh, Martinez is a great player. He's going to become into one of the best players in the world. Fine. Whatever. But. A hundred million is a hundred million. You can yep. buy four new players or half a new team. You can reinvest the whole back line, the midfield, which needed help, and you you support Lukaku, whatever. So it it made perfect sense to me. I was like, this is the time. The problem was Barcelona does not, did not, and still does not have money to do that with FFP and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Especially now with COVID, you're not getting anything near a hundred million. So. We really missed the boat, and we kind of got to just stick it through at this point. With uh, well, like, and to be fair, I don't think they were ever actually offering a hundred million. They were offering like two players with inflated valuations, and then like forty million cash. So I, I don't think they were ever really offering. They were offering like you know, the, like the they were offering like overrated players. You know that they so, oh these uh, these two guys are Junior Firpo. These guys are worth seventy million, and we'll give you an extra forty million. So uh, I don't think that was ever that was ever quite uh, legit. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, so um, yeah, so so one nil Inter escaped against Napoli, and so now uh, if you look at the table, uh, obviously uh, today it was a huge win for Steve's Roma uh, because they pull in front of Napoli for fourth place. So the Champions League spots are currently occupied by Milan in first place with their twenty eight points. Inter are for the moment comfortably in second at twenty seven points, one point off the top. Juventus and Roma have 24 points apiece. And 
you know, uh, we also had uh, Juventus dropping points against Atalanta. And, I mean, guys, we talk about bad misses this year. Uh, you know, the Lautaro Martinez miss was nothing compared to uh, what happened to Alvaro Morata? I mean, what what was he trying to do in that, that wide open net? For no reason, he goes for the back heel and missed the goal. And like his reaction to it was like I would expect him to like put his face his face in his hands, but he was like very nonchalant, almost like oh, it's not a big deal. I I, I thought that was a very very weird uh, thing. What did you guys think of that highlight or low light? I guess you could say for any Juve fans out there. Jerry, me, I, I think he was an idiot. That's it. I, I, <laughs> I think that uh, I don't know what he was thinking to be honest. Freaking, you just need to tap the ball in and you score, and you could have won that game. I, I don't even think they were offside. He was looking for the offside. Yeah, he, he was onside. He that could have won the game yesterday, and I, I don't know what he was trying to be, just Mister Hercules or whatever it may be, but. I want to. I want to actually, because I can give a shit about Juventus right now. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to go back on your point with, with Inter, and then I, I want all your takes. Like, I think people are too much prisoner of the moment. If that's what if I'm saying this right, where all of a sudden Inter has a bad twenty minutes, say, or first off, let's just turn the tables here. What about Napoli? Did Napoli? What did Napoli do? They they they're they're supposed to be known with all this depth, and we got this Insigne, we got this Mertens, we got this Koulibaly in the back end. We brought your boy Patania. Well, to be fair, Mertens got hurt early in the game. Fair enough. Yeah, you know what? That's that's fine. That, that's fine. That's a good point. But you still got a Lozano. You got a Zelinski. You can bring a Fabian Ruiz off the bench. Uh, there's a lot of depth. But, but where's the flack there? It, it contradicts itself because, yeah, Inter didn't have the best match, but Napoli didn't have the best match either because they weren't clinical enough. Yeah, they had chances, they didn't bury them. So, at the end of the day, it can be vice versa and say, well, maybe all of a sudden Napoli brings all these players in. Well, how come they didn't score? How come they didn't win? I, I, I just don't agree with that statement. And you're right, man. Like. Inter figured a way out to win this game. And, and, and I think that a lot of people are, are undermining of what Conte has done this year. Yeah, Europa League, so Champions League didn't go as planned. But I don't think their Serie A has been as bad as people are thinking. You know, COVID cases have happened. Like, people forget. And, it, and this even goes for, like, Roma, too. Going back to last year into this year. Roma's another prime example where they've dealt with so many injuries. I think they're the most injured-prone team in all of Serie A. And, and you got Inter, who's been hit by COVID. Talaccio, who's been hit by COVID. Tenopoli, who who's been hit by COVID, too. Like, there's just so many factors that I, I, I don't agree that one team is bad and one team is good. I think that everyone's in the same bubble that is in the European competition. I think teams who are not in the European competition are in a are, are in a, an exclusive bubble where they're very fortunate because they're only playing once a week, so they can overcome these 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 issues. They don't have to worry about playing midweek, and they can really focus better. So I think that all our clubs in general, Juventus is another one. These, it's not a normal city uh, season, so that's why 
on Twitter, I don't like calling all teams and saying, well, Inter looks really bad this year. And I, I do go on the fence about Milan a lot. I still, I'm still on the verdict of them. I don't, I'm not 100% confident in them. I think that that, that is going to drop. There's going to be a moment where people are going to be like, oh, wow, Milan wasn't that good. And they were never projected to be that good at a top first place. But I do believe that I was wrong, that they are top four potential. That I that I do agree now, but yeah, I, it's just a normal. It's a different season. Like, who knows what the effects are on on these players of COVID and how they are reacting? Like, yeah, they're still playing and they return, but we don't know how they're really feeling on the on on the field if they're able to play at that level. Um, there's just so many factors. So I don't. I I think that both sides didn't look at their best yesterday, and 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 to into defense too, like. I know interest out of the competition now, but you can look at that when it comes to January, February, March. Not now, because right now they still were in the competition, still were playing all those games. So mm-hmm. even though people say, "Oh, they're no longer in Champions League," they were still there though, playing. Yeah, up they played. They now. played six games like everybody else. Like, yeah, so <laughs> it's that, that that that's bullshit to me. So, um. I, I, I think that Inter has done a great job with their transfer market. I don't think it's been bad. Darmian, who cares? Darmian's the guy stepping up and replace of Hakimi. That's good. Who cares if it didn't cost him $40 million? You want your new addition players to be stepping up. You want Darmian to do that job if Hakimi's struggling right now. And you want Hakimi to come in if Darmian's struggling. Those are things that Conte is getting right. And another thing is the reason why Hakimi, like I heard on uh, on uh, the announcer yesterday, well, how come Hakimi didn't start today? This guy's younger. He should be playing. Well, he just came off an injury. Like, you can't use him. He's hurt. Get your facts together, Gary Brittles. Fucking idiot. I hate that guy so much. I hate that guy. I, I'm done ranting, man, because I will defend. I, I'm not a Roma fan. I'm not a, I, I don't care. Like, I, I'm not a fan of Roma, but I'll defend them to the point where they deserve credit. And this season, they deserve credit. And yeah. no, no Lazio fan is going to go off the record and say, oh, Roma is doing something good this year. I think that they finally got the right direction, the right ownership, the right philosophy the right vision and and i think they're the future of city it's it's they got the pieces in place there's something that they're building there um had you tell like i said at the beginning of the year had you asked me i thought roma was a ninth place team now looking forward maybe they're not a ninth place team maybe maybe they got that team like lazio does where they got those players who can step up hidden gems like who cost nine million and are worth 50 million and as for inter i still think they're going to win the scudetto um that's just my opinion i i think this the, the juventus ring comes to an end um you, you never count them out i agree but they're just not the same team they, they lack a midfielder they need an attacking midfielder if they can get that attacking creative midfielder that team can is the best team in the league well but that I, I, I... I, I wanted to uh, let me just make one more point off your point, and then I want to uh, to get Steve's take on something with Roma. To what you're saying, Jerry, about uh, about you know prisoner of the moment stuff with Inter. Uh, I, I think that um, you know, obviously, as an Interista, I, I tend to have kind of an us against the world mentality. But I'm going to try to keep this objective here. I think that you know when when the media are evaluating certain clubs, you know you hold certain clubs based on a different standard depending on 
their payroll, how highly their coach is paid, you know, the expectations coming in. Like the example I'll give to you is you look at Milan's recent form, for example, okay? Uh, they've dropped points in their last two games, but they came from behind and avoided losing in both of those games with late goals. And so the way that that gets covered, keeping in mind Milan is a team that for a number of consecutive years has missed out on Champions League and underperformed. They've had multiple, you know, crises in recent years, and they've been a huge surprise. Like in a positive way, they've been a surprise. They're at top of the table. They haven't lost a Serie A match since before the COVID lockdown. Uh, but when And they're the youngest team in Serie A, and right now Zlatan hasn't been playing. He's been out the last few games. So when Milan is coming from behind to salvage draws against teams like Genoa and Padma, who they really should have beaten, but they come from behind to salvage draws, the way that I see that get covered is Milan gets praised for showing grit and not losing. Like, oh, this team refuses to lose. It's wonderful. They came back and avoided, you know, dropping all three points in this match. But, Jerry, if it were a team like Inter getting the same results. And Inter did draw with Parma 2-2 two to two earlier this year, and the stats were virtually identical in that match compared to Milan's match. When Inter draw with Parma, because of the expectations and the payroll, that gets covered like a catastrophe. Oh, my God, how is Inter dropping points to Parma? And if Inter had a week where two consecutive match days, they're dropping points to Parma and dropping points to Genoa, Here's the way that gets covered, and I can say this with confidence because being a lifelong Inter fan, the way that it gets covered is this is a crisis. Like Inter, anytime Inter drops points, it's looked at like a crisis, okay? So if Inter had the same week that Milan just had, 2-2 two -two draws with Padma and Genoa in the same week, that gets covered like the sky is falling, this team is awful. But when it happens to Milan because it's a young squad, who wasn't supposed to be top of the table? Oh, look what they're doing to salvage points. So it's just, it's totally, uh, it's totally a difference in the expectation. But I want to, I want to shift back to Roma for a second with Steve because Jerry was bringing up something about uh, Roma exceeding his his expectations. Uh, Steve, remind me because I know we talked to you right before the season started. R remind me what your preseason project uh, projection was for where Roma would finish. And if that's now changed, given the nice start that they've had to the year. I mean, I was always going to be optimistic at, at minimum because I felt like Lazio was bullshit. Um, I thought Atalanta, you didn't know what you would get again. I didn't expect Milan to be up there, so that's kind of the, the team that's kind of snuck in. But if they don't finish top four, I'd be disappointed after the first 12 matches. Uh, you know, looking at the table right now, if you told me after 12 match days they'd be level with Juve on points, I'd say sign me up in a heartbeat before the season started. Um, not the same Juve, obviously, that we're used to, but four points off the top. I'm still not completely sold on Milan. I think you made a great point that they're kind of covered almost the way like Atalanta's been covered the past few years, like as an underdog team more than the big club that they really are in in name. Um, so that's interesting because I think and and Roma's kind of the same thing where they get hammered by the media in Rome because the you know the media in Rome is very tough on them where if they were dropping points like that and they were near the top of the table, it would be crisis time too. Um, so I, th I think that's a good point. But I think Roma has you know, definitely exceeded expectations, even my own in some ways. I thought you know, it, it was funny because when they played Juve, it was the second or third match of the season. They were up on Juve 2-1 and up a man, and then Ronaldo had a beautiful header to tie it. I was actually disappointed after that match, whereas before the match, if you told me 2-2 against Juve, you, know, you would have been like, well, I'll take a 2-2 against Juve um, based on reputation. But... 
you know, I think, like you said, t- things adjust as the season goes on. Last year with Jerry and Lazio, nobody projected them to be anywhere near the top four. And as the season went on, Jerry's expectations changed a little bit because they were pushing for the Scudetto at one point, you know. And this season is different than any other because of COVID, because of, you know, the tighter schedule. And that's one reason why I think, uh, in terms of Scudetto race, I think Inter has to be favored at this point because the matches they've played recently, yes, but going into February when all these other teams have those home and homes in the Champions League or Europa League or maybe they advance and have to play another two matches, all that adds up in the long run. So I think Conte playing once a week has a, has a big advantage there because he's a great game manager when he has time to prepare for matches. So you got, got, I wanted to go over uh, one more topic before we wrap it up because I think this is a really important topic to hit this week. Um, this fallout with Papu Gomez and Gasperini, and it, it's looking, at least today, I, maybe fences can be mended uh, within the next few weeks, but it, it's looking this week like uh, the captain of Atalanta is going to potentially be sold somewhere this January, uh, which is just shocking. I mean, he had a, a fallout in the final group stage Champions League match with Gasperini. They got into you know an altercation. Apparently, it was nasty enough that um, you know, that, that it's looking like Gomez could be on his way out. He released that Instagram statement that was saying, you know, once I'm gone, you'll know the truth. We're <laughs> talking to the fans. God, I would love to know. Like, I, <laughs> I would love to know what's going on. And I tip my cap to, uh, to Jerry Mancini because Jerry, Jerry's the one who's been telling me for months that, you know, the fantasy that Atalanta has been living it, over the last couple of years, it, it's the the shoe, it's going to come all crashing down and it's looking and listen, I don't want to, uh, they've got a really deep squad even beyond Gomez. So they could potentially still be competitive, even if Papu Gomez is no longer there. But you certainly, I think you're starting to see a disconnect between Gasparini and some of his players. This makes me wonder what was really going on behind the scenes with the Josip Ilicic situation, if there might have been more to that than just a personal issue for him. And now this Gomez stuff comes up. Um, but, you know, first question, and Jerry, I'll go, I'll go to you on this one. Do you really think Gomez ends up leaving Atalanta maybe as soon as this January? Or do you think this club is so important to him that cooler heads may prevail because I just I associate him so much with Atalanta. So the first part of the question is, do you think Papu's time at Atalanta is really coming to an end? And then the second question would be, and I don't know how specific you're going to get on this because maybe you don't give me a specific club. You might give me a country because I think there are a number of places Gomez could land, right? Do you think he ends up staying in Serie A? Do you think he goes... To MLS, he's been linked to FC Cincinnati, which seems crazy to me because that team sucks. Uh, do you think he ends up in the Middle East? Like, where do you think he could go if he does leave? And do you think he's going to leave? When's his contract expire? That's the first question I have. Do I, you guys, I, I want to say this summer. Is it this summer? Because if it's if it's this summer, then he he probably has like the holding cards of where he wants to go. I would assume. Say that again. 2022 so uh, yeah so he doesn't so have so it's up to the club it's the club so at the point to hear the first thing Atalanta's not going to be selling him to Inter and he's not going to be going to Milan they're not stupid you don't make your competitor better when you're trying to compete for a top four spot in Champions League they let's just get this straight sorry they gave up Gagliardini and Kessier oh 
They may have been smart to do. At least Gagliardini. Yeah. But they, they were smart to give up Gagliardini. Well, <laughs> they didn't expect him to be so bad. Well, Pop was on a whole different level. But here's the thing. I, and I, 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 there's a take. I, I heard David Amayel's assessment about Papu and Atalanta and Gasparini, and he said that the biggest person of all that's influential and, and needed is the president. And, and I agree, what he's done with the club has been amazing. But there is no replacing Papu Gomez. I understand that they have these players who are going to be coming through the rankings, and they have these these young players who've been good, the Malinowskis and I, what I saw for 55 minutes yesterday from Atalanta was an inexperienced team that was really missing that, that, that when you have that engine and you miss that piece and you hear the clunking going and, and the car starts to die down, it's just not going at the speed you want it to. It's not functioning right. You put that piece back into the car and all of a sudden, all cylinders are going, and your car is going back at 100 miles per hour, and, and it's all going. And that's with Icy with Papu Gomez. I think that I think Atalanta needs Papu more than Papu needs Atalanta. That's just the way I look at it. And he's always been that most dependable player, playing every minute. Um, you heard the announcer say that he's not just one position he plays. He's all over the pitch. He covers like nine different positions or five, six, whatever. He's He does everything. And he, as soon as he came in within the first five minutes, I think he had set up that goal. He was like the bit, the, the building block towards that goal. He doesn't go on. Does he, do they score a goal? I don't personally think so. So for me, if, 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 if Papu Gomez leaves, they're fucked in Champions League 100%. Like they are screwed. Um, I don't think they'll finish in a top four spot. And how do you replace a guy like that on, on such short term? Like to buy a player in, in the January transfer market is not cheap. And Lotito said it himself. Like we really don't we don't plan on buying in the trans in the winter market because the, the values, the price of players are so skyrocketed, they're overvalued. And he's right. Like as much, and I'm sure uh, Latito would love to buy players, but he's right. The the players are too expensive. Yeah, you want to be fighting for a top four spot. You want to make your team better, but there's the time and place to do it. And right now, I think that I I don't know. I I personally think he'll be gone. Um, I think that if, if you have a player who's not happy and wants to leave, do you keep him? But then. It begs to differ. Gasparini does all this shit to him, and all of a sudden you bring him on as a substitute, and you look like an idiot now. So you you call out your player, whatever it may be, and you do all this shit, and then all of a sudden your team is down, down one nothing, and you go to your best player, and you depend on the guy you just told him who shit get off at halftime. You lack this, you lack that. You he's your engine. He's the guy who who drives everything, and you shit on him. So now you're the idiot. I can't stand Gasparini. I think he's an ignorant piece of shit. You know, I, you know who ru- you know who ruined Gasparini for me? Our the our buddy ex- our buddy Nando. When Nando pointed out to us that he looks just like Jeffrey Epstein, like after that revelation, there's no coming back from that man. Like when, when ah. he's so right, 
now, whenever I see Gasparini's face, all I see is Jeffrey Epstein. Like, I, I hope he never works again. Like, I hope Gasparini gets sacked and we never see him again. It's that dance he did with Milan. I didn't like. Um, yeah. I didn't like that. Even if, if Lazio was winning 5 nothing against Roma, I don't want to see Simone Inzaghi dancing on the sideline. Um, I, I don't care if it's our rival. It, teams don't forget that. Remember that. Yeah, you you leave an image on yourself when you do that. People around the world see you. Oh my god. Um, but uh, <laughs> I I I just don't I don't like it. I I, I think it's cla- it's not it's not classy. It, it shows unsportsmanlike. I don't like it. Just everything around it. Be be the better person. You're up by nothing. Be humble and, and and just walk away. You don't need to add salt. You don't need to add more wound to, to it. Like. It's just, I don't like it, but I, I think he's an ignorant piece of shit, and I think Karma's a bitch, and we're starting to see the 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 mutiny starting at Atlanta, and even even before like the off season, who was it that wanted to leave? Was it uh, Froiler who wanted to leave and wanted and didn't want to be with the team this summer, or was it Malinowski who who wanted to? Ooh. There was somebody. I can't that, remember. Like that, that when, when somebody's requesting to leave and, and then all of a sudden he decides to stay, I, I think there's some issues. There's cracks in the wall now with Atalanta. Uh, I, I think I think the whole top four Champions League and Atalanta at one point can compete against Juventus for a Scudetto. I think they're they're, they're going to come back to life and you're going to see them in the barrel of the fifth, sixth, seventh place spots. That, that's where I see Atalanta. By the way, for for those who are, are watching on YouTube, uh, Mario's background, my God, it, it and I can't, I'm not even sure if that's Epstein or Gasparini. I, I don't. They look so much alike. Yet, uh, but before we let Mario say his piece, Steve, uh, on this Papu Gomez, do you think they end up sorting it out? And if not, uh, what club or even country do you think he could wind up in? Uh, you know, at first I thought it was just the the media making. Stories, you know, the Italian media likes to find these stories out and make them out of nothing, cause cause problems for teams. But once Gomez put out that Instagram post, uh, you know, you'll find out the truth once I leave. I I, I realize that there's something to it. Um, if he does go in January, whether it's to another club in Italy or abroad, you know, you have to wonder what kind of effect that has on the team mentally. I know the team seems pretty mentally strong, and they've you know probably overachieved based on their talents, but. Um, I, I definitely think it, it hurts their top four chances for sure. Um, Real Madrid's always gonna be a tough nut to crack for them in the Champions League, regardless. But yeah, I don't know if you know a lot of the rumors. You know, talk about the northern Italian teams. Uh, I saw PSG's name thrown in there. They're gonna throw all those names out there. I saw the FC Cincinnati one, which which you said makes no sense to me because they're not even like a high profile MLS team with it's money. It's the worst but, team. Yeah, like they're by far the worst yeah. team. Um. Got the most fans, though. You know, my my luck, Roma plays Atalanta on Sunday, and, you know, Papa will start and be extra motivated and score two goals or something. But um, I, I hope he's on the bench. I hope Gasparini's dumb enough to put him on the bench again, because if he is, then I, you know, more more power to him, because I think it favors Roma. But um, if, yeah, I mean, I think there's a real chance he does leave. And I think if he leaves, like Jerry said, I think that they'll have some problems, even if they can, you know, kind of replace him by committee. I don't know if they'll ever truly replace what he means to the team and, for the in the middle of the season, if it was the summer, I think it's a different story. Middle of the season makes it very tough. Very well said. I'll let uh, Mario get the last word on this, Mister Mister Gasparini over there. I'll give you the last word before we wrap up this episode. Where where could you see Papu end up, or does he stay? 
I don't know. I kind of think he stays. I feel like it's all just a charade, and at the end of the season, it's going to be, all right, we're done here. You know, it was it was fun while it lasted. But at the end of the day, Nap- um, Napoli, Atalanta, they still are in a good position in the league, Champions League and everything, where that they need him. And if they're stupid and they want to, you know, throw it all away, yeah, you know, they'll leave. They'll sell him whatever they'll get pennies for him because was he 33 years old or something like that not worth the most anymore so i mean i don't even think it's for the money and at that point you kind of just have to you got to play for for to win and I, I feel like they're gonna just be like all right you know he's not happy let's make him happy he's our best player we have we have a lot of epstein's on the screen right now and <laughs> And, you know, because at the end of the day, the Champions League is where the money's at, right? You make Champions League, you get a money for that. You win Champions League, you get more money for that. Um, so th- if they sell Papu Gomez, they're right back where they started. They have to rebuild their whole attack around um, Zapata and, and uh, whoever else they have, and Malinovsky, and find that piece because without Papu Gomez, they're not a. They're not. They're lost, to say the least. Like they're not a good. They're not the best team that they they can be. So I feel like they're gonna keep him for the sake of money and points. Because if he's gonna make you more money with Champions League than he will from the transfer fee and eating his contract or whatever. So I think he stays and sticks it out. It wouldn't shock me. Um, because again. Atalanta, obviously he and Gasparini don't get along, but I know what Atalanta means to him, and uh, he might just decide it's the best thing for him personally to sort it out, uh, because I know he loves his teammates and he loves the fans there. So that'll do it for this episode. A huge thanks to everyone. Uh, Steve Chavillo, I I, I always appreciate when we can chat with you about Roma and everything else, Uh, and Steve does a great job on the Chiesa di Totti blog. Uh, Anywhere else, Steve, you want to plug Maybe your social media where people can find you. Yeah, so com is the website. Uh, we actually started our own uh, Roma podcast at the beginning of this season, so it's called Across the Romaverse. It's available you guys on most. Awesome, by the way. I've listened before. I love it. Yeah, thank you. Um, so we started that up. We were about 20 episodes in, close to it. Uh, so that's on all major podcast platforms. And my personal uh, Twitter handle is uh, Chavillo CDT, which is uh, S-S-C-I-A-V-I-L-L-O-C-D-T. Um, and that's where you can find all our work and our podcast and everything else. Awesome. And Mario, of course, doing big things with Interworldwide with our buddy Anthony as well. Mario, where can we find you? Um, on Twitter, I'm Mario Sweatshirt, um, president of Ericsson FC. <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, Instagram, Mario Dowski. Um, that's it. I mean, very simple. And uh, Jerry, you, you've been writing a lot, man. Uh, anything you want to plug outside of the normal stuff, the Twitter handle, jmancini8, anything else you have going on? Uh, I can't keep up. I have like nine articles pending that I haven't released yet. I completely I've forgot. No, like, well, even the ones you have released, like it's it's a ton of stuff, man. I, I think you need some time off, bro. You're working too hard, for real. <laughs> it keeps my mind off stuff. So like, I, I just released an article that's going to come out why uh, – not selling Caicedo was a good idea by Lazio. I wrote a piece actually about Chelsea finally. 
about uh, Giroud and if if he will be leaving or not with the with the club. I don't think he'll leave. I, I thought at first a couple of weeks ago he would have. Um, I think that the changes have, and I and I and I give a shout out to a good friend of mine, Mike Bonadiman, who said to me, and I and I thought that Timo Kai Havertz was going to be used as as a number nine. That hasn't been the case with Chelsea this season. Um, I think that's a big mistake personally, but that we can keep on going that. But just like everything that's happened in Drew's now become like a very vital piece to to Chelsea this season. And like again, it, it happened last year. It's happening this year, but. Those are some of the things I, I've, I've been writing on. Uh, some key takeaways from the recent loss against. Uh, so, well, basically, I think a tie is a loss against uh, Benevento. I, I, I at the, the last thing I'll, I'll go off is anybody who says yes, we tied the game. A tie is a loss. Let's just be realistic here. It's one point. If you win, I tie. I've already lost two points on you, so it's still yep. there's no. It's not. Well, it doesn't I, I really... think you know, the only times a tie is valuable is if, like, you know, if if you're going, like, if we're talking Lazio, if if you're getting that tie against, against Juve, against Napoli, against Inter, then that, that's yes. a valuable tie. <laughs> a tie against Benevento is not valuable. No, it's a it's a loss to me, but but they're not the only team in that in that uh, clubhouse. So that that kind of gives me a little bit of uh rejoice if when I look at it at the well, end of the Jerry, day. Jerry, just make sure you guys beat Milan. Is that what is that two matches away for you? Well, the thing is that I heard that Francesco Cherby may not be playing Sunday against Napoli so he could be rested against Milan. Thank so, you. So I I I wish that should have been the case against Verona. That's what drives me fucking insane, but I don't get it, man. I, you know what, man? I'm the guy behind here who just watches the game, who never f- understands how, what half these coaches go through their mind and what they think, but it is what it is. But that's all I have going on right now. All right, well, you guys can can always follow me. Uh, Alex Dono is my Twitter. Dono is spelled D-O-N-N-O. Uh, you can catch uh, from anywhere in the world the the live shows that I do every day from two to five p.m. on Onside Radio, OnsideRadio.com. There's a couple of apps you can listen on the MyTuner Radio app. Uh, we don't talk as much football, aka soccer, on those shows, but we do uh, we do find ways to squeeze in a good bit of it. So you can always maybe find some nuggets there. And yeah, we'll talk to everyone next time. Huge thanks to Steve, to Mario, to Jerry, as always. We'll talk to you guys next time on another episode of the Cultural Connection Podcast. Ciao.